0: A few weeks ago at a staff meeting, Steve asked if I would preach on this Sunday. And I said I would be delighted to preach the Sunday after Christmas because those of you who are here are the real people. (laughs) You didn't hear me say that, but they also told me at staff meeting I could say anything I wanted to. So here goes. Now, uh, uh, Bill uh, comes up with all sorts of things for children's sermon. And I'm not sure if now I'm a U.S. Royal or Michelin, having been retired. Uh, <clears throat> I certainly look like the figure for the Michelin Tire Company. Uh, but that will, might change. Um, yes, I was baptized here. 70-something years ago. Um, And I remember as a child sitting in those pews, generally right down here. And if you all will look straight up right now, if you can see past the lights, there are boards that cross one another. And I know how many boards are up there. (laughs) Because as a child, I would sit on that pew and lean my head back and I would count them hoping that Dr. Kissling would hurry up and finish his sermon. Um, So I know him well. But I want to say one other word uh, of appreciation uh, to be able to stand here. Uh, Steve asked me this morning, uh, when was the first time I preached in this pulpit? And it was in 1957. I was a senior in high school. We had a youth Sunday. And I was invited to preach a sermon. And uh, I've never forgotten what I said. I'm not going to preach it again today. But it's been very meaningful to me to be associated with this church. Especially, as sincerely as I can say it, these last six years of serving with Steve. Been a blessing for me. Our scripture lesson this morning is very, very familiar, and I thought about asking you all to recite it with me, but it wouldn't be fair because I've got it written down up here. This is a story that we have heard so, so many times, but I want to read it again, part of it. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Over the past few weeks, it's been our privilege to hear from this pulpit, from this church, Uh, various and sundry uh, approaches to the whole story of Advent and what it means. Uh, I think we began talking about red and blue and blending them together to make purple, and this has sort of been a purple Advent for us. We have read the story that I have read this morning several times. We've read other stories that related to Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, who were having a conversation because they both were with the child, and the beautiful song that was sung. And we've heard about Mary and Joseph and Emmanuel, the shepherds, the wise men, and I dare say in the next week or two we will hear something about some uh, wise men, the gifts they brought and escaping the escape to Egypt, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, so that he would be protected. And in all of this story, the, it's, all, it's all been the same thing. Every time we have uh, read the story, it, it doesn't change. But I want to introduce today a new character in the story, totally fictitious. It's one that I've made up. A person who is a part, a very important part of the Christmas story. As I said, he's my creation. He has a story to tell. And his life was impacted by what happened on that special day. So, you want to ch- trade stories, do you, Gentile? You aren't foolish enough to think that you can out trade a Jew. It's got to be more than my story that you're after. What's the real reason that you've come to these parts? Yes, yes, I am Baruch, the innkeeper, Baruch of Bethlehem. You've heard of my reputation. I'm a hard man to deal with. Why have you come looking for me? Maybe you want to prove that Greeks are better at conquest than Romans. Well, Greek, you might as well know that for us Jews... To see one Gentile is to see them all. Oh, you say that offends you? Well, if you want me to tell you my story, you'll just have to take me the way I am. A blasphemous old man who would rather make a Gentile mad than drink Damascus wine. I get away with it too. You see these coins? I was counting them when you knocked on my door. And these coins are hard. They have no feeling. But they last forever. They're the only thing on which you can count when things get tight. I I remember as a young lad in synagogue school, they taught us that the kingdom of God was run on justice. But the school of real life teaches us a different lesson. The kingdoms of this world are run by whoever controls the cash and the credit. Isn't that what you're really after? This old man's hard-earned money. Oh, oh, okay, so your name is Luke. And you are a physician. Well, Dr. Luke, what cure do you have for this disease called old age? I know you have the same cure for all other mortal ills. It's called the grave. But what does a Greek physician want to know that a Hebrew innkeeper can tell him? Well, there's one thing I know, Luke. I run an inn. I provide lodging for whoever has the price. But I learned a long time ago that you can't take just anybody into the inner chambers of your heart. Now, you say you want to know what happened that night. But to tell you, I'm going to have to let you in where I've never, ever admitted a Gentile before. And if I do tell you, what's in it for me? I know to do any business, you have to take a chance. Well, I'll chance it, and we'll see who gets the best end of this deal. I think it was about 42 years ago. That's when we began paying the Roman tax. Leah and I had just opened this inn. Leah, oh, oh, Leah. You know, you Gentiles have to have a goddess of love. Leah was the goddess of love for me. She gave our home that kind of fragrance that the almond blossom gives to the spring. And for a while our lives were filled with the wonder of two hearts beating as one. But not for long. A shorn lamb can hide from the Judean wind as easily as two people in love can escape the cruelties of this world. Love isn't hard like these coins. It hurts when it's bartered for other goods. I suppose that's why love songs are sung with a lump in the throat. You can't live for long on love in a world that is run on cash. Fears awaken in us from our romantic illusion. The fear that business might go begging, or the fear that our health would start failing, or fear that Caesar's Caesar's legions would come marching. We have His face on our coins. Isn't that enough? Why should He expect us to render unto Him our obedience? Well, they call me blasphemous now. You should have heard me then. There came a time in my life when old Job, you remember him? Old Job became my spokesman. Let the day when I was born be damned. Let the night be cursed when they said a man child is conceived. Let it look for stars but not find them. Let it wait for the day spring but let the dawn not come because that night did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb nor close the eyelids of the morning. Only a dirty bird will speak foully of his own nest, said one of the pious sons of Israel. Well, what has the nest of Israel hatched for me except bitterness of defeat and frustration of captivity? I no longer expected anything worthwhile to happen. happen. Well, back to my story. The morning of the night, when something did happen, dawned like every other morning for us, It was business as usual or more so because, believe it or not, we owed the business to Caesar. It seems that he had decreed that every son of Bethlehem should return to the land of his birth to be registered, to be taxed. You see, Bethlehem had sired many a wandering Jew. Well, all his Jews were returning and we were putting pallets on the floor. We were putting tents out in the alleys. And even Leah and I rented part of our room. And when this man came along, he, he was like all the others. I saw no reason to treat him differently. He might have said, I don't remember, he might have said something about his wife being pregnant. I, I don't remember. I was busy. Busy people don't have time for idle conversation. But since then, I've watched other people when their business was booming, and I saw that they didn't have time to listen or look either. And I'll tell you one thing, Gentile, that's the one thing that rubs me raw. I had expected to recognize the big moment when it came, and I didn't. Just like every other moment until I looked back and saw that it was too late to make amends. Well, just to get rid of them, I put the man and his wife out in the stable. I went to sleep that night earlier than usual because I was so tired I was worn out and there was no more space to rent. I don't know how long I had been sleeping when Leah awakened me. When I woke, it was as if I had been dreaming. Her countenance glowed with a beauty which I had seen only in winks and glimpses before. She seemed like a woman liberated from every anxiety. Her shyness was shattered. Her words poured out with a rhythm of a song She told how she had helped to bring the child to birth. And how when shepherds had come singing their adoration. And how the heavens had joined in the joyful refrain. And I wanted to doubt what she was saying. I had to be dreaming. But she removed any chance for doubt when she said, Baruch, this is a special child. He may be the one for for whom we are waiting. For who but the Messiah would be born in a stable. Oh, and, and one more thing. What should have started me raging instead sent me running. The one thing from which I wanted to be saved was any more hope for another Savior. I had enough of these so-called messiahs. But what had happened to Leah made me want to see what else was happening. So I went toward the stable. I was crossing the courtyard when it struck me. I've never passed through the walls of a dungeon, but, but that was the sensation. And on the other side of those walls, everything was dark and still Everything glistened with an inner radiance. The air was was like an ocean of music and the earth was solid beneath my feet, but it had a scent of a bountiful harvest. As I crossed the yard, I saw an old tree put forth new root shoots and the dead vines of winter began to blossom. Leah followed me. We both knew what that whatever was happening, that we were just caught up in it all. It was happening to us. We rejoiced as those being delivered from bondage. I looked inside the stable and exchanging greetings wasn't really necessary. We were all as one in a common glory. This was the event by which we would measure all meanings. I turned from that glory and walked back to the end. Luke, I want to tell you something about the human heart. It's amazing the immensities that have been contracted into its narrow cavities. I felt some of those immensities as I retraced my steps back to the end. I felt the immensity of childhood's wonder its buried treasures, its islands of expectations, the wonder of having work to do and receiving a father's approval for doing it. I felt the immensity of manhood when Leah came into my life and we built a home together. The wonder of that. And the weight of its promise. How can a heart hold such heavy hopes and I couldn't help but think that something out beyond the stars willed that all of this should happen. There were too many similarities between the longings and the yearnings and the wonders inside of me. Yet nothing ever came from the wonders, nothing but ruined hopes, broken dreams, wrecked promises. So I began to shut my eyes to the wonder and the curse and to curse the darkness, cursing made the darkness easier to bear. But this night was so filled with wonder that I have never quite been able to write it off. I thought about this night a long time. And if you want to know my story, here it is. God came very near to earth that night to see what it's like to be shut in down here. To be given life and then have your way hedged in. To be given love and hope only to find that the world has no room for anything but force and greed. He came to share our lot and restore our faith. And Luke, my God didn't come to Herod's house Or Caesar's palace. He came down onto the backyard of a young Jew. Who so yearned for his coming. That he could not help cursing a world without him. Now that's my story. You know the kind of man that child became. You know he was no visitor. He came to be our brother, our Savior. Let us pray.